Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. Uh, this is the show where we dig a little bit deeper to understand what really matters most in business. I'm your host, Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director with Pine Hill Group. Today, we're going to be talking about how to maximize and realize the value in an M&A transaction. So whether you're private equity or a serial acquirer, even just an occasional acquirer, you're going to want to understand some of the concepts we're going to be talking about today. And I'd like to welcome my guest, Laura Queen, who is the founder and CEO of 29 Bison. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So tell our audience very briefly a little bit about you and, and 29 Bison. What do you guys do? Sure. Uh, we are a human capital advisory firm. We provide support in human capital related uh, circumstances, things like due diligence, uh, mergers and acquisitions integration, post-merger integration to the investment community primarily. Awesome. So l let's dive into this thing because when most people hear human capital integration consulting, there's probably a couple of eye rolls in the audience. What is this woo-woo stuff? Let, let, let's clarify that you are not, as you say, your grandmother's HR consulting practice. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? Um, so we do do work that is very transactionally HR related as it concerns things like due diligence, for example. We will look at all of the traditional aspects of human resources and the human resources environment and human resource related bits and pieces. But more importantly, what we do is look to create voice to the people in the organization that shares the wisdom about business operations so that anyone, an investor or a serial acquirer or even a seller as they're looking to create greater value in their organization, has actionable operations-related data and information to go in and increase the value of their business, things they can physically do that relate to operations, policies, and procedures. It could be treatment of people. It could be technology. It could be just about anything. Yeah, and we're going to dive into that, but um, I want to start at a little bit of higher level, and based on wherever you're getting statistics, I've seen anywhere between 70 and 90 percent of M&A transactions fail to live up to their desired outcomes, mm -hmm. and you can define desired outcomes in a number of different ways. Uh, so when you think about what you guys do, uh, it's people integration is what I keep seeing is the major source of these failures. So when I think about people integration, I'm thinking more of kind of the institutional knowledge in people. Mm -hmm. What, what is the institutional knowledge and, and how do you flesh that out? Yeah. So institutional knowledge will be different for different organizations, but it could be everything from um, the basic continuity of a business, um, the way in which policies and procedures, for example, are behaved, the, the outputs of those policies and procedures in the work environment, and mm -hmm. whether there's consistency of application across the business. Um, it could be things like um, treatment of individuals uh, in the way compensation schema, for example, is managed across the organization or even performance evaluation. Um, things like are expectations clear and are the measurable outcomes or the goals and objectives of the organization laid out in such a way that an individual at any point in the organization chain would be able to demonstrate their capacities, their proficiency of the business in a way that is replicable, scalable, or sustainable. Yeah, so what's been your experience when you've been working with companies where that institutional knowledge was allowed to depart, shall we say? What's been the impact on that? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. We've certainly seen circumstances where at the beginning of a transaction, key individuals were identified for retention, for example, um, and other individuals were let go. And the 
an outcome of those decisions that happened in something of a black box way very often, the wrong people were either let go or retained. And you wind up in a situation where you either um, have to hire back individuals at significant cost to the organization um, and or they walk out the door with something that's really important to you. It could be intellectual property consideration. It could be um, a, a method of treatment around something in an organization. It could even be really significant client relationships that walk out the door and along with them walk out your revenue or your sales pipeline or what have you. So who's making those decisions if you're not involved? Ordinarily, the decisions around those things are made at the top of the house. And, and I would say that I think there's really good reason for that to be the case. We're connecting strategy of the business, um, both the current portion of the business and the go-forward, the post-transaction portion of that strategy. But very often what gets lost in that decision-making is a real knowledge of what's happening inside of the business. What is it that drives business continuity? Um, what's really driving the relationships um, potentially between your organization and your clientele or your customers? It could be that the thing that's really most important to you, for example, is um, customer service, for example. And if you have the customer service organization, you also have the ability of the organization to meet the demands of your clientele. And it seems like it's a good idea to cut at the bottom in order to achieve a synergy target, um, but perhaps there's not enough information being shared all the way up to make a reasonable decision about what makes the best sense to meet business strategy. Yeah, I don't want you to divulge any proprietary secrets, but how do you really tease out as you're, as you're working with your, your clients to understand where the embedded knowledge is and, and how to really drive leadership in the right direction in making these decisions? How do you, how do you find those things out? That's a great question. Um, we use a number of tools, but in addition to that, we actually use a framework, an appreciative inquiry framework. It's um, born out of work that David Cooper writers created along with um, Diana Whitney and some of his other colleagues at Case Western Reserve University. Um, it, it is a, a method by which you spend time in conversation, and it actually doesn't take a whole lot of time, but you spend time in conversation with various members of the staff at all levels to understand what are the historical strengths, capabilities, um, the mechanisms of success for an organization, where are the challenges and opportunities in an organization, so that you create a, a functional toolkit, for example, around ways to address what are historically considered the gaps in an organization, but more importantly, to preserve the things that have really created the success. If you're an acquirer or an investor, what you are, I would think, what you are most hoping to achieve is the capturing and the utilization of the capability, the value that was created in the organization in the first place. That's what attracted you to this particular deal. Being able to make sure that you have all of those things cataloged so you can use them for the betterment of the organization is knowledge that is resident in all of your people. And there is this, this way, this methodology to go through that conversation to unearth those and to pinpoint where there are opportunities to achieve even greater success or drive greater value for an organization and make them actionable almost immediately. Laura, how can our audience get in contact with you if they want to reach out? Yeah, so if you are interested in reaching out to us, if you are an investor, um, if you are a seller or a serial acquirer, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us at info at 29bison.com or reach out to us directly. Our phone number is 215-337-3111. 
Very good, thanks. So real quick, we've got probably about two or three minutes before we've got to go to a break here, but a lot's been written about culture and leadership. How do you evaluate culture and leadership and why does it matter? Yeah, so um, two completely different questions. Why does it matter? So culture is really, um, my definition, it is the artifact that create the environment within which we do our work. So it is everything intentional or unintentional around the way we behave, the way we operate our business, the how of our business. And it's captured in um, the way we treat each other, the way we address each other, our emails, the policies and procedures we have, our compensation strategies, the structures of the business and the environment that we live in, just to name a few. Um, and they're assessed in a number of ways. There are great tools out there to take a look at um, how culture is um, enacted in organizations. Uh, some of them look at the language, some of them look at the behaviors in organizations, um, others look at a particular set of formula like the trust index that's created by the Great Places to Work Institute, for mm -hmm. example. Um, many of them are really, really helpful in getting out what culture is. But honestly, I think you, you need those tools in combination with the experience of the organization and primarily the lived experience of the people in the organization to really understand what it is that creates the environment in which they are supposed to be doing their work and then evaluate whether or not that environment creates a, a place that is conducive to getting the best value for your business and creating wealth. Right. And it all starts with leadership, right? It does, yes, 100%. But what I heard you say there was there's measurables, there's, there's okay. data, and there's metrics you can point to. Mm -hmm. 100%. Nice. So I think we've got to take a break. Am I right? Yep. So we're going to have to take a quick pause here. Uh, we'll be right back after these commercial words. Don't go anywhere. Maybe an equestrian? A mommy? Well, why not be all these things and more? Consider joining me, Dr. V, with friends and colleagues as we explore a wide range of topics together. V is for variety, here on RVN TV. There you go, Richard. Oh! Is that too hard for you? No. Is it too hard for you? Woo! We're playing catch now. <clears throat> oh, sh! Rowan College at Gloucester County, low cost, the number one nursing program in all of New Jersey. More than 70 programs of study, including selective admissions, with record enrollment, a premier partnership with Rowan University, transfer options with numerous universities, four-year degree options on our campus, Rowan College at Gloucester County. Now you're thinking.
Choosing Medicare coverage can be a very confusing and complicated process. Help is just a phone call away, 856-226-4800. As a licensed insurance agent, I'll assist you in making an informed and confident decision on a Medicare plan that meets your needs, lifestyle, and budget. Call me today for a free, no-obligation Medicare benefits consultation, 856 226 4800. When did you see the sign? When I needed to create a better visitor experience. Improve our workflow. Attract new customers. That's when Fast Signs recommended Fleet Graphics. Yeah, now business is rolling in. Get started at fastsigns.com. What do I want to be when I grow up? Maybe a musician? A veterinarian? Maybe an equestrian? A mommy? Well, why not be all these things and more? Consider joining me, Dr. V, with friends and colleagues as we explore a wide range of topics together. V is for variety, here on RVN TV. There you go, Richard. Oh, is that too hard for you? No, is it too hard for you? Woo, we're playing catch now. <clears throat> oh, shit. Should you choose Rowan College at Gloucester County? Low cost, the number one nursing program in all of New Jersey. More than 70 programs of study, including selective admissions, with record enrollment, a premier partnership with Rowan University, transfer options with numerous universities, four-year degree options on our campus, Rowan College at Gloucester County. Now you're thinking. Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder of the Pine Hill Group. My guest is Laura Queen of 29 Bison. This is the part of the program that we call the bottom line, where my guest gets to offer some of their bottom line tips uh, that our audience can use immediately, actionable. Laura, what's your bottom line tip for the audience? Bottom line for us is that an organization is only able to achieve their greatest value to the extent they're able to capture both the hearts and the wisdom of their people, your people. Okay, so I'm gonna call you out on that. Sure. And we talked a little bit about me doing that, so hopefully this isn't gonna be a big surprise, but that sounds woo-woo. Mm -hmm. So tell our audience why that isn't woo-woo. What's behind that? Right, uh, so we talked a lot in the earlier segment about the idea around culture being important. And I think culture for us is one really critically important part of the equation. It's about 
um, fostering employee engagement and util the utilization of discretionary effort in the interest of moving an organization forward. But there's another portion of this. There's the portion that really is about capturing the wisdom, the day-to-day -day operational knowledge and understanding of a business, the intellectual property, the, the know-how inside of an organization that lives in the minds as well as the hearts of people. And it's unlocking that so that you have something actionable you can begin to, to utilize in order to create, to maintain and create continuity in your business, but also um, to begin to drive forward greater levels of performance, productivity, efficiency, what have you. So I know you, you support private equity, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to ask you to disclose who you support, that wouldn't be fair, but for the folks who may not have thought about using you in a transaction environment, can you talk a little bit about the tangible benefits that you bring to private equity. What's been their experience in working with you? Sure, a um, couple of things. One is in a more traditional HR capacity, the work that we're doing is helping them to streamline the due diligence process, um, making sure that it is a wholly comprehensive due diligence process. Very often, it, the things that are looked at tend to be um, benefits and compensation specific, but there are all kinds of other things out there that can either be a risk or for a variety of reasons, um, or potentially opportunities for them to unearth as they move forward in the transaction, so we can do all of that work. But the other thing that we offer is an opportunity to have some of these conversations, either in the due diligence, the pre-closing phase, walk them through a comprehensive closing and make sure that things are ticked and tied, payrolls are managed and moved forward quickly, um, all of the benefits issues are being handled, um, unearthing whether or not there are risks that hadn't been looked at in terms of you know, outstanding potential um, litigation, for example, or a number of other things. Um, but also in the early stages, right after integration, the opportunity to talk to um, team members about their lived experience in the organization and to unearth some of these opportunities for making really quick change. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is you can add a ton of value if you're brought into the conversation upfront, part mm -hmm. of the planning in, in, in the deal mode. Uh, it sounds like you're obviously there through the transaction. How much after the deal is your team involved to really make sure that things are running properly? Yeah, it really depends. Um, you know, if it's an acquisition that's coming over as the basis, as a platform, um, as the basis for uh, the creation of a portfolio company, for example, um, we will stop at closing until there's a bolt-on acquisition, and then we become part of helping them move forward with um, building out that portfolio company. Uh, in other circumstances, particularly in larger transactions where you're really trying to bring two organizations together over a period of time, we can stay you know, as long as 18 or 24 months if the work that we're doing is helping them to do things like integrating um, multiple technology systems on the HR side, for example, um, or we're doing uh, uh, organization redesign for them where we're trying to bring two companies together, uh, work through some of the redundant roles in an organization and make sure that they have the right leadership in the right spot through the different phases of the post-integration period. And, what you need at 90 days is very different than what you need at 180 days, and that could be very, very different than what you mm -hmm. need at 360 days. And there's a plan in place for your successor to, to implement that. Right. So I guess, who, who would be the successor? Does that then back, fall back to the HR team? Generally, so yes, if there is an HR team, it'll fall back to the HR team. In some of the smaller situations we're working in, it generally is kind of a collaborative of the leadership team. It could be the controller who has some level of HR responsibility. Um, in, in many cases, depending on the information we've been asked to provide, it could be the operations leads. So 
into the numbers a little bit more, if you don't mind. So obviously what I'm, what I'm getting here is your one value add, obviously, is the ability to make sure the transactions are closing, right. get them done, uh, and be successful. Uh, have there any, been any metrics that you can point to that actually demonstrate kind of a before and after value proposition, if you will, where you've increased the valuation? Are there any metrics that the P firms have developed around that? Uh, generally, it's tied to the deal thesis, and so we'll work very specifically upfront in these deals to understand what the deal thesis is, so that when we're looking at um, particular outcomes, we're helping them to manage that. Uh, we had one relatively recently where uh, a PE firm had put together a portfolio company, and in doing so, they were bringing together initially three organizations. They elected to take best of breed for each of the organization's historical health, health plans, their health and medical plans, but it really monumentally increased the cost of health plans for all of the employees. We went in and suggested to them that there were some changes they should be making, take it back out to a brokerage, um, have the brokerage do an evaluation of the plan for them. Um, we made specific recommendations about things on the basis of the employees' needs and desires they thought should belong in the plan and things that you know, either could be add-on or could be offered as supplemental employee paid only, um, and worked with the brokerage firm to make sure that they were achieving the desired outcomes from a cost standpoint around the entirety of their health plan so they weren't continuing as they did bolt-on acquisitions, they weren't continuing to increase the costs of health care for their employees. Gotcha. We spent a lot of time talking about the private equity world. Let's just talk a little bit for two minutes or so about the world of the corporate development team. So working with an acquiring company per mm -hmm. se. What's that experience like and, and how is it different maybe than working with a private equity group? Yeah, so it feels very much like being part of an in-house PMO when you do that. And so we'll come in and just be a part of their project management team as as it relates to integration. Um, we'll work directly with their in, their chief integration officer, with their PMO lead, uh, and we either supplement the HR department if there is one in an organization, or we become de facto kind of the HR seat at the table to help them go through some of that transaction. And we're there for whatever period of time they need us as part of a working group and then we have the option and the opportunity to coordinate and connect with all of the different pieces and parts of that transaction. And we'll work with outside, we work directly with our outside counsel, we'll work with our evaluation specialists and whoever is a part of that group. Right, who typically is introducing you into these conversations? Who's that lead? Yeah, it, it depends. Sometimes we're brought in by an external service provider, a law firm, for example, a valuation firm, um, another financial services firm, uh, the wealth manager for uh, a business owner will bring us in and say, we think we need your help. In other cases, um, we're brought in after the fact. So something's kind of gone off a rail. They need somebody to come in and take a look at it. And that could be um, chief legal officer, CFO, uh, general counsel, CHRO, somebody that says, you know, we've identified an issue. We're not really quite sure where to go with it. Can you come in and help us figure it out? Yep. One more time. Tell our audience how they can contact you. Sure. You can reach us at info at 29bison, the number 29bison.com, or call us directly at 215-337-3111. So I think we've got about a minute or so left in the program, if I'm not mistaken. So what didn't I ask you that our audience needs to hear in this remaining 60 seconds or so, Laura? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think you've asked what is most important. What I will reiterate is it's critically important to understand that there is this 
there's knowledge and information that can be captured as a part of this process that is immediately actionable to creating value in a transaction and to making sure that you are part of the 30% of organizations that really win in this strategy and not the statistical 70 to 90% that really struggle to create the outcomes they're looking for. Yeah, so you guys can make a huge difference mm -hmm. and that, that's really important. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Uh, my name is Dave Bookbinder. I've been talking with Laura Queen, CEO of 29 Bison. We will see you next time on Behind the Numbers.